0: Welcome to Columbus Perspective, a weekly public affairs presentation of The Fan. I'm Dave James. In a moment, I'll talk with Dwayne Casares, CEO of Directions for Youth and Families. The large nonprofit outreach counseling agency has big plans for the area near Eastland Mall. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, Tracy Townsend presents information about the ongoing effort to redraw legislative districts in Ohio. U.S. Senate candidate Tim Ryan, a Northeast Ohio Democrat, Talks about voting rights and the pandemic. And Tracy will present a segment about the high cost of insulin that diabetics are facing. And I'll wrap up the hour talking with Matt McLaren, Director of Ohio Find It Here, the state's tourism bureau. First up on Columbus Perspective, Dwayne Casares. He is the CEO of Directions for Youth and Families. How you doing Dwayne? Um, I'm good. Let's do a little bio for a second. How long have you been at Directions for Youth and Families? What is it, and what do you do now?
1: Oh, that's kind of funny because I just had my anniversary. It just means I'm old. I have actually been here now for 30 years. Wow. Um, Yeah, I was uh, really the first master's licensed clinician ever hired, and... Now we have a team of, like, 50 outreach social workers, counselors, and therapists. Uh, we do mental health, um, behavioral health services, They're serving kids and families and communities, serve about 5,000 a year. We also have two after-school centers um, that offer all types of arts and dance and, and music lessons and everything for free and homework help and leadership development. Actually, our Ohio Avenue Center had seven people um, graduate out of our program in the last three years and get scholarships out of our music program to go to college, so we're very proud of that. And we have a new facility out in the far east side, the Kimberly Parkway area, so Eastland Mall area, for those of you who aren't familiar with Kimberly Parkway. Um, very small facility. We knew when we moved in there we needed to have a bigger building, um, so that's, uh, we're looking to do that now.
2: Wow.
0: And so you've been there 30 years. How long have you been the big kahuna? Sounds yeah. I was thinking at least eight, yeah, because
1: yeah, CEO. Yeah, it's probably closer to nine, I guess.
0: So uh, as you mentioned, a lot of it is uh, outreach, and uh, it's a lot of responsibility. Columbus, you know, you know, it's really interesting because when you think about that long of a time frame, think about what Columbus was 30 years ago. It was a cow town. Look at it now. At it, i mean you know the population the 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 entire area population i don't even know if it was a million now it's what 1.6 or something like that
1: yeah something like 1.8 it's just keep going and, and, and our projections are going to continue to boom so and we're we're a major city now
0: and that also brings with it a lot a lot of problems which are things that you address and going forward things that you want to address even more the Far East Side in Kimberly
1: Parkway. We first got it about five years ago. We opened up an after-school program, and it was filled up in two days, so we uh, divided everything in shifts so that we could have, like, morning and afternoon shifts, and that got filled up in two days, and then we rented some space down the street, and that got filled up by the end of the week, and then we had our open house, and we could not. We've been turning kids and families away since then. Our Howe Avenue Center is 24,000 square feet, so in comparison, um, Kimberly is, like, a uh, 3,500 I think so Uh, We knew we needed a bigger facility. What we didn't realize is that the more that we were there and the more that we worked with that community and the more that we talked to the people in that community, um, there are really no services out there at all. It it is amazing. Um, The Kimberly Parkway community used to be a thriving black community. Um, When we started, like three years ago, when we started to push forward a campaign for it uh, pre-COVID, it was number one in infant mortality, number one in eviction. Number two, in crime. Number three, in poverty. Um, And I bet most of the listeners hadn't even heard of Kimberly Parkway. Uh, There's no social services out there. Um, The need is so high, and that community is just crumbling. So we knew opening an after-school center wasn't going to be enough. That would be putting a Band-Aid on a much bigger problem. So we started working with the community. Um, Actually, we would take them to Ohio Avenue just so they could dream about what we could have. Uh, And we've put together a, a community restoration model um, to help uh, uh, restore that community and it is about restoration not transformation Uh, we were uh, um, very intentional about the fact of working with the community and not at them or or, or going in there and say we're gonna fix things that's just not how things work Uh, we need sustainable change and sustainable change happens only when you're working with
0: And this is uh, uh, something that is not conceived overnight. This is, you know, as you mentioned, statistics that you've been looking at, studying that region. There's been a lot of work to this point uh, going into it. Yeah, you know, this has been a five-year journey,
1: and um, we now have 21... have agreed to join us in this restoration model because we had to address housing, infant mortality, the new American populations, food, physical health and well-being, community programming, senior services, workforce development. I mean, honestly, there isn't anything We took the trauma-informed community building model out of uh, um, San Francisco, combined that with Annie E. Casey's two-gen model, we call ours multi-gen, we also combined that with a a cultural community assessment that we have um, put together, uh, and and we're also addressing the five social determinants of health, which um, those five things show that if you address these things, uh, uh, people have a better opportunity to uh, improve their lives, so um, we've put all this together it's been five years in putting it together and we know we couldn't do all the work so uh, we had to get uh, community partners who are going to join us and we are very grateful for the 21 nonprofits um, who are going to join us to help uh, uh, restore this community.
0: So before we talk more about the actual effort uh, to make that happen what physically what what is going to happen on the east side when this is all done what is it going to look like to the folks who live out there? all those things, we
1: hope uh, um, that what it's going to do is is give people an opportunity uh, um, to grow and to prosper. You know, right now, when you don't have to, we truly believe communities can heal themselves. We do. They just need a little bit of support.
0: So once you wrap your arms around all this to get it going, obviously you talked about these 21 agencies that are going to help, but there's more help in the community that's going to have to come as well, I would think. Talking with Dwayne Casares, he's the CEO of Directions for Youth and Families. You mentioned this is in uh, the Eastland Mall area. And so what, what is it, uh, you know, if somebody's listening to this thinking, okay, it's uh, $8 million that you want to spend, you're talking about a building. Also, what is it? W- what are they going to see out there? Well, we're going to
1: have all the stuff that we have at Ohio Avenue. So we're really kind of uh, mimicking our Ohio Avenue building. Um which has space for all the, the, the um, uh, community partners that I talked about to address housing, to address legal needs, to address food. We're going to have a farmer's market and a community garden. Uh, we will have community walks. We're going to have an outdoor amphitheater. Our bands um, are going to have community concerts. Actually, uh, we've already had the Columbus Symphony out twice, uh, um, it, you know, they're, the symphony has a lot of stuff about the mental health benefits of their music and taking this music to toxic stress communities is really where they belong so they've been grateful boy and partnering with us and we've had two concerts outdoor social distance concerts um we want the, the community to have a safe place to gather and to begin to address their issues and again uh, we're not looking to fix them we're looking to work with them to address these things and so that they can have their basic needs met
0: so, are you getting uh, feedback or help from, I don't know, say, you know, the so called neighborhood pillars? We have
1: had uh, um, the parents from this community involved in the- Take parents from the community um, and take them in our vans to our Ohio Avenue Center um, so that we could talk about what we're having. And I got to tell you, Dave, the response was unbelievable. Well, some of the first parent groups, one of the moms said at the end of it, I can't believe you're willing to do this for us. Now, think about that. No one should feel that they're unworthy of basic needs. And, and to say something like that, we knew that this narrative has to change. Another mother talked about how her son was killed in those streets for 10 years ago. She's been trying to get something out there to help that community for 10 years, and she asked us if we were angels. People should not have to feel that way. This is not this is not what should be happening in our communities. Uh, we we should address these things, and we should do it in a supportive, helpful, a, a, and really working with people. Um, we have to do this because we need something that's going to be sustainable.
0: And when you look at uh, situations like that too, with a pandemic that's been going on now for you know ready to go into its third year and you look back at that first school year when it went to online learning and you're talking about maybe you know a poverty-stricken family with maybe four kids who are all trying to learn from home online with no wi-fi no high speed it's a nightmare and it's it, and no
1: it, laptop the, right. th- these needs were great uh, and so as much as the community has kind of responded to uh,
0: And you can't point a finger at a community leader or state leader and say it's your fault because this has been a problem for 200 years.
1: Yeah, to me, it's not even, a, I don't even care how we got there. It's. I think about that in therapy sometime. I it doesn't matter to me how you got here. What I care about is where we're going from here forward and how can we make things better. Uh, we can get lost in, in, in um, the history of things or...
0: Casaris again, CEO directions for youth and families. And as you mentioned, this has been in the works for years, but you're kind of speeding up the timeline to, to try to get some of this stuff done, right? that's fantastic. And it's a great way for different areas of the city, individuals who want to get involved to chip in and help out an area of town that needs it so desperately.
1: Yeah, it really, really is. So, um, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting as we move forward. Um, it,
0: If uh, people want to find out more about it, I know that you're going to be rolling out a lot more information in the near future. Uh, is there, did you have uh, information on your website or anywhere? Fantastic, uh, Dwayne Casara, CEO, Directions for Youth and Families. Anything else you'd like to add?
1: No. Uh, we appreciate any support from the community. Um, this is uh, it's needed for people who have been struggling, and, and um, it truly is something tangible that we can all do to address uh, uh, social justice.
0: It's great, uh, you know, when I talk to you, and you know, you're on every month for years. You've never been one to try to get people to give to your organization, and I've always appreciated that about you, that you don't overkill all that stuff, but this is this is something at this moment that is greatly in need, and when you're talking about it, you know that it's needed and important. Yeah, I
1: appreciate that, Dave. Yeah, I, I've never thought that when you and I talked that, that it should be fundraising for us, uh, but this is not. Uh, this is actually for the community, and it's something that we're all very, very passionate about, and it truly is.
0: Dwayne, uh, thanks so much for your time today, and good luck with this effort. Thank you,
3: Dave. Hello, I'm Todd Markowitz, Vice President and General Manager of Radio Ohio, which owns 97.1 The Fan. We're an equal-opportunity employer dedicated to providing broad outreach efforts regarding job vacancies within our company. We seek the help of local organizations in referring qualified applicants. Organizations that wish to receive our vacancy information should send their requests to the attention of Human Resources, Radio Ohio, 770 Twin Rivers Drive, Columbus, 43215. If you'd like to view our current job openings, please visit our website at 971thefan.com, and thanks for listening.
4: What is Dedication. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Dariana. We call him uh, Day-Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything so as a dad you felt like you had to know everything you had to get everything right it's okay to make mistakes as long as it's coming from love then you know it kind of starts to work itself out I want him to be able to sit back one day and go we worked together, we did a good job
3: that's dedication find out more at fatherhood.gov brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, here's Tracy Townsend from her Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV.
5: Our second chance to do what is right by Ohioans and deliver bipartisan tenure maps that follow the Constitution and reflect the preferences of Ohio voters.
6: The clock is ticking. A group of lawmakers needs to draw new district lines, and soon, by the fate of the May 3rd primary, depends on it. Plus, Ohio's congressional delegation weighs in on the White House push to pass voting rights legislation. And what's best for students, in-person learning or staying home? The Teachers Union and the superintendent of the state's largest school district do not agree. Thank you so much for joining us for Face the State today. I'm Tracy Townsend. Ohio's redistricting committee went back to the drawing board this week. They have just days to get new maps approved. This week, the committee met to start redrawing the state's House and Senate district maps. The previous maps were struck down for gerrymandering by the state Supreme Court last week. The commission is made up of Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, and Auditor Keith Faber all Republicans. Four state lawmakers, two Republicans and two Democrats. DeWine swore in state Representative Allison Russo, the House Democratic leader-elect to replace former leader Amelia Sykes, who resigned the role in December and is running for Congress. The court was clear
5: that this commission is required to attempt to draw maps with the numbers of district that cl- districts that closely correspond to the 54-46 breakdown of Ohio voter preferences. The court was also clear that attempt is not a meaningless word. The language of Section 6 means that we must do it unless we cannot do it. And specifically, paragraph 88 uh, says that the term attempt means if it is possible... For a district plan to comply with Section 6 and Sections 2, 3, 4, 5, and 7, the commission must adopt a plan that does so. We know from the prior work of this commission that there are many maps that have been proposed that meet all of those requirements. And so let's not move forward uh, assuming that attempt is unachievable, because it has been proven in prior attempts to actually do this.
1: We have already begun the work to work uh, cooperatively to um, implement and conform to the decision of the court um, as as we understand it, uh, and that will uh, continue, um, well aware of the time constraints, um, which makes this process uh, difficult, but not impossible. Um, and so we will all be working uh, diligently to achieve, uh, achieve those ends.
6: Secretary of State Frank LaRose told the committee why a quick decision on this is important.
1: Of course,
2: Ohioans deserve an accurate and an accessible primary election. And as this process continues, we are starting to become perilously close to reaching that point where that may become logistically impossible. Let me be clear, the General Assembly has ordered me to conduct an election on May 3rd, and I am committed to making sure that that happens. But without finality on maps, that starts to become mechanically impossible very soon. I'm confident that our 88 county boards of elections can conduct a successful primary election on May 3rd, But they, these bipartisan, hardworking men and women that actually run these elections, they they are going to need a little bit of assistance from the General Assembly. I've, I've asked our legislative leaders for the temporary authority to adjust the administrative deadlines required in state and federal law.
6: This process can be confusing. So we talked with Ohio State University political science professor Paul Beck about the issue and how it impacts you, the voter.
2: I think the big problem with gerrymanders is that they create a whole series of safe districts, both for the legislature as well as for Congress, which means that uh, most voters really have no choice. Uh, the contest will or whoever ho- occupies the office will be decided in the primary, not the general election. Uh, one party is going to dominate. If you're in the other party, uh, you're, you're just out of luck. So the Republicans do what they intended to do, and that was to to use their legislative majority and their majority on the commission, two different processes, one for Congress, one for the state legislature. But they had majorities in each case, so they wanted to use their majorities to basically maximize their their political representation. The consequences for Congress, by the way, whether we have a Democratic Congress, a continuation of a Democratic Congress. Congress uh, in Washington, uh, or a Republican Congress, may well depend upon what happens in Ohio. And if the Democrats are able to win more seats in Ohio than they were able to win throughout the period from 2011 all the way up to 2020, uh, then it could well be that the Democrats will be able to retain their very slender margin uh, in the House of Representatives in, in, in Washington.
6: We will be sure to keep you updated on their progress. Voting rights. Well, the legislation was top of mind for lawmakers in Washington, with President Biden pushing to make changes, including making Election Day a federal holiday and requiring all states to allow early and mail-in voting. The Congressional Black Caucus Chair, Ohio's 3rd District Representative, Joyce Beatty led a march to the Senate to demand swift passage of the Freedom to Vote Act. Beatty said they marched because, quote, one unjust election has the power to set progress back a lifetime. Senator Rob Portman is against the sweeping voting rights legislation. He instead called on senators from both political parties to pass the Electoral Count Act instead. Here's what he said on the Senate floor. What
7: Republicans and most Americans don't support is an unprecedented federal takeover of our election system, which is what the overly broad party-line bills proposed by the Democrats will do. Let me be clear. Despite what Democratic leaders are saying to jam these bills through Congress, our democracy is not, as they say, in crisis because it is too hard to vote. We just had a national election in 2020 with the highest voter turnout in 120 years. 94% of voters said it was easy for them to vote. This is according to the Pew Research Center. 94%. That's good. Some have said drastic changes are needed at the federal level because the states are now enacting voter restrictions. Some point to the liberal Brennan Center, which reports that 19 states have enacted laws which it characterizes as restricting the right to vote. As noted above, again by the nonpartisan No Labels Group, When you really look at these laws, the truth is that they largely make modest changes in election law administration, such as the date that voters may apply for mail-in ballots, or ensuring voters who say they are, are who they are through voter ID and other signature requirements. Something, by the way, the vast majority of Americans support. Some of the laws return to state practices closer to the status quo before the pandemic. As an example, some laws reduced the number of ballot drop boxes in cases where there were no ballot drop boxes before COVID.
6: CNN asked Congressman Tim Ryan if Democrats are wasting time on that voting rights issue since it seemed the legislation was going nowhere.
4: You can't move the needle for working class people if they don't have access to the ballot box. White, black, brown people, whatever, we need to get to the ballot box. And right now there is that uh, intentional movement in states to disenfranchise people to one drop box in a whole county the, the ability to be able to purge voter lists uh, you know at, at random the, the ability to to move uh precinct locations or voting uh locations willy-nilly in 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 black communities for example that's that's nonsense and that should be stopped maybe maybe we take smaller chunks of the voting rights piece maybe we make uh election day a holiday Let's let's get that done. And then we start moving forward. But let's let's maybe take smaller chunks. But in in the right direction, I think the American people would like to see that.
6: CNN also asked Congressman Ryan about the COVID-19 pandemic and the seemingly confusing guidance coming from the CDC, which keeps changing. He says he understands people's frustrations.
4: I think there's a there's a great deal of frustration on the ground in with families. Uh, in Ohio and across the country because of the, the mixed signals uh, that are coming from the CDC, from the administration. Is it 10 days? Is it five days? These tests, I was running around the grocery stores a couple of weeks ago trying to find tests and we we're not even sure if they work. Uh, we, we're not sure about masks. They're coming from China. Look, we're, we are two years into this and I think the frustration in families is well beyond uh, what politicians think it is. It is at a very, very fever pitch. There's anxiety. As I said, there's all of these other issues that are still out there too. People are working six or seven days a week. Now we're doing virtual school, not virtual school. Mass, no mass. What's going on here? And I just think the lack of clarity is contributing to the level of frustration. And and we've we've got to get this right because these families deserve it. They're already struggling and, and that's why I think in the, you got the inflation piece. That's why we need the tax cut. That's why we've got to show people in Ohio and across the country that we're getting the job done. We're, we're, we're two years into this thing, and I think that the frustration level is getting to people here.
6: Columbus City Schools leaders are pitted against the teachers union when it comes to what's best for students. Is it being in the classroom or learning at home? Reporter Kevin Landers has the reasoning and the responses from both sides.
8: What's best right now Is being in person, in classrooms, to the greatest extent possible.
9: One by one. I know that there is no more productive and safer place during the day than for our children to be in school. A
3: united front of educators and the mayor. We, as a community... Have a responsibility to our children to continue in-person learning because school is safe. came together in support of in-person learning and dispelling the myths that classrooms are unsafe for children to learn.
10: Transmission is not occurring in the classroom when all the public
6: health mitigation efforts are in place.
3: According to Columbus Public Health, there have only been 2,075 COVID cases among teachers, staff and students this academic year.
10: That's less than five percent of their population. If you include all their students, their staff, and their teachers, so the, s- the classroom is not a risk factor.
3: That's not how the Columbus Teachers Union sees it. They don't test, so how would you know? We don't test our we don't test our kids. We only test kids when they're symptomatic. The teachers union says its members are getting sick from teaching in the classroom. It's just kind of it's, it's comical to to listen to folks who haven't stepped foot in. Uh, schools to tell us, you know, to gaslight teachers. Basically, what we see is not what's really happening. We're there, we're on the front lines every single day. The district superintendent says the numbers speak for themselves that more schools are doing in-person learning than those teaching remote.
8: 41 of our 112 school buildings have had at least one day of remote learning over the past two weeks. The remaining 71 schools have held in-person learning each day.
3: The district says it provided teachers and staff 45,000 N95 and KN95 masks to teachers last week. While the union has asked for a two-week pause in in-person learning in an attempt, they say, to reduce COVID cases in school, the city is urging teachers to remain in the classroom. Kevin Landers, 10TV News.
6: The Build Back Better plan aims to put a cap on insulin prices in the United States. This comes as a new warning from the American Heart Association points to a need for legislative action at all levels to address the social determinants of health. An Ohio State doctor weighs in on what needs to change.
0: Columbus perspective is a public affairs presentation of WBNS Radio. The opinions expressed on this program are those of its guests and do not necessarily reflect those of WBNS Radio, its staff, management, or sponsors.
4: The strength of our country hasn't just been won on the battlefield. It's one every day in our communities when we come together in our toughest times. For over 100 years, the American Legion has been strengthening communities across our nation by providing life-saving help and support to our veterans and neighbors during times like we're facing today. We are the American Legion, Veterans Strengthening America. To learn how you can help, visit legion.org.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on The Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV.
6: State Representative Kristen Boggs promoting the Build Back Better plan, which calls for a cap on the price of insulin. One of the most excessively expensive prescription drugs is
10: insulin. And in a five-year period, the average annual cost of insulin nearly doubled from about $3,000 in 2012 to nearly $6,000 in 2016. A critical portion of the Build Back Better Act is copying the, capping the cost of insulin to $35 a month. There have been so many stories of diabetics rationing their insulin due to the unreasonably high prices and even going so far as to crossing the borders to find more affordable insulin. No person should have to put their life on the line or travel to another
6: country in order to see, receive the health care that they need. Lawmakers at the state and national level are calling for lower drug prices, and that comes just weeks after a major statement from the American Heart Association on just how Americans are meeting heart health targets. A new scientific statement indicates the news is not good. The writing is based on a massive review of clinical trials through June of 2020 and takes a look at the gap between existing evidence on how to lower risk in people with type two diabetes and what's really happening. Targets include managing blood glucose, blood pressure, cholesterol, getting more physical activity and better nutrition, not smoking, not drinking, and getting psychosocial care. A scientific statement is an expert analysis of current research and may inform future clinical practice guidelines. Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center Dr. Joshua Joseph chaired the writing group, and he told me the statement is essentially an urgent call, friends, that also highlights the need for legislative action at all levels to address the social determinants of health.
4: We saw that individuals who uh, were, you know, maybe didn't have transportation or didn't have healthy uh, food in their neighborhoods, they had a much tougher time kind of managing the diabetes. Uh, So I think it's a call to action for all of us to think how we can all address the social
6: determinants of health. Is there a call out for, I don't know, city and community leaders there? I mean, I feel like that social determinants of health, you know, we heard a lot about it when the pandemic started. There's a little low rumble there
4: now. Many of the patients that I see in clinic struggle with insulin costs. Uh, as you know, insulin can cost up to six, seven, eight hundred dollars a month. And so right now, there's been legislation both nationally and at the state level to limit the co-pays for insulin to $35 per month, critically important for individuals with diabetes. So that's an example uh, that a local or national leader can take uh, and really be a proponent and an advocate uh, for lowering the cost of insulin.
6: And according to the CDC, type 2 diabetes is the most common form of diabetes, affecting more than 34 million people in the United States. And cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability among people with type 2 diabetes. He won in the U.S. Supreme Court. Now he's hoping to win your vote. I talk one-on-one with gay rights icon Jim Obergefell after he announced he's running for a seat in the Ohio House.
9: Vision loss. Vision loss. Is not something that you feel until it happens.
6: Most people lose their vision from diseases like
8: macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. Three million Americans
10: have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. Eleven million people in the United States have macular degeneration.
2: So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked.
10: Visit brightfocus.org
6: to learn more.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on The Fan. Back to Tracy Townsend, courtesy of 10TV.
6: An Ohioan who led the fight for marriage equality in the United States is taking on a political battle. You might remember Jim Obergefell. His name is on the Supreme Court decision that legalized gay marriage. He's now running for a seat in the Ohio House. Obergefell moved back to his hometown of Sandusky in 2021, putting him in the 89th House District, which includes Sandusky. I talked one on one with him shortly after his announcement.
11: It really was countless personal interactions over the past really eight years that mm-hmm. that helped lead me to this
6: so i started doing some kind of homework on you and i was reading that you really want to st- start exploring how to increase opportunities to to essentially keep ohioans here in the state why is that important
11: well you know that's very important i think about this district erie and ottawa counties and the state in general you know I remember back when I was a kid and the Scott paper factory in Sandusky closed and my dad lost his job. And I remember the stress that put my family under. I remember the fear that I felt from my parents worrying, what does this mean for our family? And I'm far from alone in that. So many people in this district across the state of Ohio have experienced that when industry has left, when manufacturing has left. And when we lose those good paying jobs, that has a ripple effect in all aspects of a person's life. So that's why to me, jobs and opportunities are paramount, because without those things, it's impossible to provide for your family, to to lead the life that you want to and deserve to lead as a human being and as a citizen of the state. So for me, jobs, opportunities, number one. And I also believe that a lot of the other challenges we face as a district, as a state, come down to jobs and opportunities. I didn't do this just for John, just for my husband, John, just, just for our marriage. I did this for... People like us, I did this for everyone because everybody in this, not just the district, the state, but everybody in our nation mm-hmm. deserves equality and equity in their daily lives. So I did it for those things, and I did it for you know those ideals that we claim to believe in as Americans, equal justice under law, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And for me, I, I really lean on this one, we the people. It's we the people, not we the some. So for me, that experience really... Focused in me that the need to fight for those principles. Mm-hmm. And from a practical point of view, what did I learn? Well, I learned how to have thicker skin. Mm-hmm. I learned how to choose what to focus on and what not to. In other words, I never once read comments on the internet because I knew that wasn't productive, it wasn't healthy. And I really just learned again, I'll go back to that point about how. When people are doing things for the right reasons, when they're when they have integrity, when they're doing things because it's right and just, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. That's a, That's what everyone in that case did. We were doing what was right, what was just. And that was what mattered. And that's what I will do as a state representative. I will do what's right and just. And I will fight for everybody in my district mm-hmm. because we all deserve to be part of we the people. We all mm-hmm. deserve life, liberty and, and happiness.
6: The seat is currently held by Republican DJ Swearingen. The former Democratic leader of the Ohio House has her sights set on Congress. Amelia Sykes announced that she's running for the 13th district seat. She'll be running against Republican Max Miller, who is backed by former President Trump. We spoke with the president of the Franklin County Board of Commissioners recently. Erica Crawley is in her first few weeks in the historic role. She's the first black woman to head the board. Crawley says she's dedicated to keeping housing affordable in Franklin County. It's an issue near and dear and critically important to the many people who have been priced out of the market during the pandemic. Here's President Crawley
10: housing continues to be an issue. So not just rent and utility assistance. So we, we talk about that a lot because we have ERA dollars that goes to that, ARPA dollars that goes to supporting um, families with rent and utility assistance. But just uh, two months ago, I had a resolution with um, uh, that came before the board from Auditor Stinziano for Helping those with um, who are behind on their taxes and, and supporting them so they don't lose their home. So when we talk about um, housing, we are really looking at it from a holistic standpoint. We want to make sure that people stay in their homes and not be evicted um, or uh, lose their house to foreclosure. But we also want to set people on a path to home ownership. Um, and, and we know that a lot of people will be impacted, especially during this pandemic.
6: Something to continue to watch. In the meantime, we thank you for being here with us today. Remember, if it affects you, your family in Ohio, we're here to make sure those accountable face the state.
0: That's again Tracy Townsend, courtesy of our sister station, WBNS 10 TV, from their Sunday morning public affairs program, Face the State. A new edition can be seen this morning at 1130 on 10 TV.
10: There's a child in Kenya or Sierra Leone or India or Bolivia, who you could connect with. And through ChildFund, it's possible. We may be thousands of miles apart, but we can still connect with each other. And when we do, we make things better. We connect children all around the world with what they need to grow up healthy, educated, and safe. That's what ChildFund is about. Together, we co-create, support, support, and sustain connections that lead to greater well being for millions of children who live in poverty worldwide. And their families, and their communities, and their countries, and you. Join us. Together, we can make the world a better place. Two small worlds at a time his and yours. Visit childfund.org to learn more
8: Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.
0: This is Columbus Perspective on the Fan. Hi, this is Dave James, and joining me on the phone, we've uh, talked to him several times in the past. It is Matt McLaren, who is the director of Ohio Find It Here. How are you?
12: I'm doing great. I'm uh, enjoying the winter weather here in the state of Ohio.
0: Yeah, we finally got what a lot of people want this time of year, and I guess it's great for the ski lodges for sure.
12: Yeah, and it's great. I think it's some of the most beautiful views you find in the state, those uh, snow-covered forests in our state parks, uh, and then going out to the several ski resorts that we have in Ohio. With all the snow that we've recently got, now's the time of year to go do it.
0: Yeah, great time uh, You know, when you've got snow on the ground and the waterfalls are frozen down in Hocking Hills. That's a, a great thing.
12: Yeah, in Ohio you can find it here, and especially this time of year. You can still find Experiences of joy, happiness, and excitement. One of my favorite is actually the frozen waterfalls that you'll find at places like Ash Cave and the Hocking Hills. Now that waterfall, as it drips, it builds this giant ice sculpture. And the colder it gets, the bigger that ice sculpture gets. Uh, It's beautiful to go see. And another one I'll give to you: to go up to the Cuyahoga Valley National Park, uh, Brandywine Falls that they have there uh, starts freezing, one of the largest waterfalls in the state of Ohio, and has some beautiful ice formations. It's definitely worth the drive.
0: What are some of the other attractions that Ohio finded here? highlights this time of year
12: well if you want to experience the beauty of the snow in the forest without having to go outside uh, all the incredible cabins that are across the state of ohio are a great way to do that uh, You can rent one of the cabins and have that great view out your window and then also think about our nine state park lodges uh, that, that dot all of ohio a uh, great way to stay warm on the inside but look out and see beautiful snow-covered forests
0: It's been uh, an interesting winter because we went into January with almost no snow anywhere, and yet southeast Ohio, which sometimes gets left out, has been sharing in it this year. You can find it just about all over the state right now, and
12: especially up on the northern side where they have up to two feet of snow at places like Boston Mills and Brandywine Ski Resort. Uh, I know the the ski resorts, those two, as well as Mad River Mountain here uh, over in Bell Fountain and Snow Trails in Mansfield have enough snow to have all their slopes open and groomed and looking great.
2: Talking
0: with Matt McLaren from Ohio Find It Here, Uh, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. That must be uh, on your radar. It is. uh, Valentine's
12: Day, we want to encourage people to shop Ohio, also to go out to eat or order from our restaurants the dine in this year. Um, We want you to be supporting Ohio's local businesses with great gifts and great food for
0: the ones that you love. Because of the pandemic, the way it has been ebbing and flowing, one month is different from another. But how have things been going overall when it comes to tourism and and, uh, just commerce in general in Ohio?
12: Yeah, it, it, we've seen, as you talked about, we've seen tourism come back quite a bit, but uh, it has been ebbing and flowing. Right now, the restaurants and the retailers can still use the help, the local support. Uh, Valentine's Day is on a Monday night this year, February 14th, a Monday. Uh, so we're encouraging people to go out and pick any of the days. For guys like me, you can take your lady out on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, or that Monday night. And uh, In my book, it all counts. Uh, help out the restaurants and show the one that you love uh, a great meal.
0: Before being involved with Ohio Find It Here. You were involved with Ohio's Hotel and Lodging Association, so you've got kind of an inroad on how they're doing. How are hotels and motels doing in Ohio?
12: Yeah, this is always a slow time of year for the hotels in the state, uh, which means you can find some great deals. Uh, There are wonderful properties all across Ohio. Think of places like the 21C Museum Hotel down in Cincinnati. Uh, It is award-winning, named one of the best hotels in the United States. Uh, Levesque Tower right here in Columbus if you just want to get away but not go too far. Uh, They're just two of the many hotel properties that would be wonderful around Valentine's Day. Uh, And there's still availability to to, to book... uh, Book that room at most of the properties.
0: And I know in Cleveland they've got the NBA uh, All-Star Game coming up. And I guess from what I understand, the the NBA itself purchased about 10,000 hotel rooms downtown events like that are fantastic for the economy they bring in millions
12: of dollars fill up hotel rooms bringing in new money from outside the state yeah february 20th the nba all-star game in cleveland cleveland's been doing wonders they had the nfl draft uh last may which kind of kicked off the tourism season last year they just had the rock and roll hall of fame inductions and we are very excited to see the nba all-star game in cleveland they have stuff going on that entire weekend from february 18th through february 20th the game itself is sunday night February
0: 20th. And from what I understand, though, that's it's a little bit complicated because, you know, the the game itself, chances are it's going to be impossible for anybody to get, to get a ticket to that and some of the, uh, you know, like inner circle events, but there's a lot of other things going on around the city.
12: There there's the NBA crossover event. Now, this is at Public Auditorium. It's where you'll have uh, signings by a lot of the players, sightings of the players, and then also memorabilia. Uh, it's worth going up just to check that out. But then you can still find tickets for things like the Rising Stars game that happens on Friday night, and we expect uh, Evan Mobley, the, the great rookie for the Cleveland Cavaliers, to be playing in that. Uh, there's a celebrity game on Saturday night, and then also the skills challenges like the three-point contest and slam dunk contest happening Saturday. So. It's really a whole weekend worth of events. And even though it's going to be pretty hard for someone to get into the All-Star game itself on Sunday, uh, it's still worth going up there to see some of these great players at that NBA crossover event and uh, really enjoy Cleveland for the weekend.
0: And what's the date of the game again?
12: The game is on Sunday night, February 20th.
0: Okay. And you know, for folks who don't pay a lot of attention to the NBA, this year the Cavaliers have the third-best record in the conference. As we speak, they're only a game and a half out of first place.
12: That's right. They, uh, they're they the feel-good story of the NBA this year, and they're a lot of fun to watch. In fact, we're hopeful that they're going to have some of their players in the All-Star game that's happening in Cleveland on February 20th. Players like Darius Garland and Jared Allen are definitely worth consideration, and we should find that out pretty soon if they make the team.
0: Talking with Matt McLaren, he's the director of Ohio Find It here. Now, uh, this past week on January 25th was National Plan for a Vacation Day. Can you tell us about that and what the significance of that is?
12: Yeah, we worked with the United States Travel Association to put this day together. Uh, All of us feel a little bit better once we have a vacation in the future, right? Once we know we're going to go do something, um, it it makes going to work every day just a little bit easier. So on January 25th, we declared it National Plan for Vacation Day. And for us, we released the 2022 Ohio Travel Guide, uh, which you can order for free at Ohio.org. It has over 100 pages, over 1,000 things to do in the state of Ohio over the course of this year, uh, things like going to see the Marblehead Lighthouse up on Lake Erie, which celebrates its 200th anniversary, gorgeous old lighthouse that's been restored that you can climb to the top of, uh, and then also other things like Kings Island, which celebrates its 50th anniversary. You'll find information about all that and more in the 2022 Ohio Travel Guide. You can order for free at Ohio.org.
0: You know, it's funny you mention the Marblehead Lighthouse because I grew up uh, in northern Ohio and lived in Sandusky for a while. And I had never been to the Marblehead Lighthouse, which isn't far from there. And then about 10 years ago, just on a lark, on a weekend, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to drive up there and see it. And I climbed to the top. It's not, not a difficult climb to the top of it. And it's just a magnificent view of, I mean, you can see Perry's Victory Monument, you know, across the lake from there. It's, it's just a great site and venue
12: it's a gorgeous view and you look out all across lake erie and it's free to do it's one of those things that's part of our state parks and i uh, would, would recommend it for every ohio and go at least once uh,
0: i know that last year you uh, resumed advertising ohio to nearby states uh, to try to get them to come here during the the summer months are you going to do that again this year
12: Yeah, we're excited to do that again this year. Uh, What we're seeing is more and more people choosing to drive for their trips, and Ohio is such an easy drive-to destination. Uh, We want to welcome those in the states around us to come in and explore our incredible museums, our great hotels, restaurants, lodging, and attractions uh, all here in the state. And actually a lot of places, especially the uh, outdoor-focused places in Ohio, had a a good year in 2021. Uh, We're hoping for a really good year. Uh, in twenty twenty two.
0: So you advertise in places like Chicago or wh- where, where do you do that?
12: We focus on all the states that border Ohio. So cities like Indianapolis, Pittsburgh and Louisville uh, will see our advertising, encouraging them to uh, come visit the state of Ohio. And we really want to create a positive image. We know that you can find joy, happiness and excitement from a trip to our state. Uh, And we have such unique assets, things like uh, Cedar Point, um, which you can't find that many roller coasters of such size anywhere else. Uh, Places like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, uh, right here in Columbus, Vets Memorial is a great draw. Uh, Those are the type of ads that you'll see from us and the states around us, and we're happy to have people traveling here and bringing their money. Into
0: Ohio. You know, that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony every year, HBO runs that, and man, that is just a huge deal. I mean, when you've got Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift, it isn't just that they're musicians. They're some of the most well-known people on the planet all showing up in Cleveland for this thing. It's just tremendous.
12: Yeah, Ohio becomes the star center of the world for a day. Uh, This year, groups like the Foo Fighters getting inducted into the Hall of Fame, and that induction ceremony happened back in October, but we're still talking about it because it went over so well. Uh, My my hat's off to Cleveland for doing such a great job hosting big events like this uh, in the state of Ohio for being able to hold these events and really continue to raise our profile both locally, regionally, and with events like that nationally.
0: And over the years, I've seen some of these musicians say that they prefer coming to Cleveland rather than being in New York for that ceremony?
12: We love to see and hear that, too. Uh, We definitely roll out the red carpet. What you get when you have a big event in a place in Ohio, uh, cities like Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, the whole city gets excited about it. The whole city knows that it's there. Uh, Everyone is welcoming and rolling out that red carpet. And I think that's why you see so many uh, places, so many events um, really choosing the state of Ohio. We want to see that continuing. We know with the NBA All-Star game, we'll get another chance for the national stage here coming up on February 20th.
0: And when you have Cincinnati playing for the AFC Championship and possibly into the Super Bowl, I'm sure that that just draws more attention to the city. Do you ever get any uh, feedback on how that might help?
12: Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean that raises the national profile for Cincinnati and for Ohio. Um, both when they hosted and, and won that first game in the playoffs in Cincinnati, uh, and since it gets everyone talking about it and wanting to know what's going on in Ohio that uh is, is so exciting and all the Who Day fans are talking about. And we, we like that. We like to play off of that, right? Create that positive image. Gives us a platform then to talk about all the other things our state has to offer, um, both the thriving economy that's happening here right now, uh, the, the affordable cost of living, and then the great things for people to come see and do uh, right via, even this time of year with the, the cabins in the forest, which have become so popular.
0: Talking with uh, Matt McLaren, anything else you want to add, Matt?
12: Yeah, just uh, winter in Ohio is a time where you can go out and explore our state beautiful views right now at ohio.org you'll find thousands of things to do across our state and this winter uh, on nice days go out and hike our state park go look for those frozen waterfalls they're beautiful get a cabin in the woods Uh, we all need a little change of scenery these days and you can find a lot of ideas and places to do that at ohio.org
0: thanks for talking to us Matt sure appreciate
12: it It, it, anytime thanks for having me